you all for uh, having us in. It's been such a blessing to get to know uh, folks. Thank you for the wonderful meals and uh, just all the kindness, the pie, the pie. I was a size 32 when I came in, amen, but I've had to expand a little bit, amen. But uh, uh, I just appreciate so much uh, each of you and, and the heart of the church here and what a blessing it's been uh, to get to know you. Thank you so much and get to know the missionaries and the missionary families. What a blessing that has been as well. Uh, I had a chance to go out with my lovely wife today. We went out soul winning for an hour. The pastor was concerned that I was going to be mistaken for a Jehovah Witness. Uh, I'm glad to say that did not happen, brother. Uh, however, uh, a young man opened the door, and as he opened up the door, he said, I don't want any Girl Scout cookies. So uh, apparently, apparently he thought I was a Girl Scout. Uh, so uh, that, that had never happened to me before. Uh, but uh, you know, it is Eugene. So, um, you know, uh, but uh, we were we were able to uh, find a great, uh, I think, a very good contact for the um, for the children's ministry uh, and, and get them that information. And also we were able to uh, speak to a young lady, uh, her her uh, her her mother and her mother's boyfriend were atheists, but uh, her dad and her grandma were Christians. I said, did that make you uncommitted? She said, I'm just confused. And uh, and so I said, well, let me just take the gospel here. Let me just show you what the Bible says about this. And I was able to take her through the Romans road. And and at the end of the presentation, I asked her if Jesus Christ was willing to give you the free gift of heaven. Would you receive him as your savior? Turn from your sins to him. And she said, yes, I'd love to do that. And uh, we prayed on our doorstep to receive Christ. So, amen. And and what a blessing. We've uh, left the contact and follow up information. Uh, but it's so exciting. You know the gospel still works if we'll give it out. Amen. And, and if we'll be faithful to take the gospel uh, to people. Amen. They will uh, They will respond. They won't all respond. But the ones uh, that will respond, you'll be blessed that you went. You'll never, you'll never be sorry that you went soul winning and shared the gospel with somebody. And it was such a blessing to be able to do that today. Thank you so much. Uh, for that, I was reading uh, through uh, Ezekiel here a while back, the book of Ezekiel, and and uh, you know I, I try to read through the Bible at least once a year, and and hopefully more, uh, but uh, uh, cover to cover. But uh, some books of the Bible now, maybe you're more spiritual than I. I'm sure that's probably the case, but some books of the Bible, when you get to them, are just a little harder to read than other books. You know, you just. You're just cruising along, you get to First Chronicles, and it's like 12 chapters of names, and you're just like, oh boy, I'm excited about this. But uh, I was in Ezekiel recently, and I was reading uh, through it, and uh, it's, it's not one of those books that's the easiest one for me to read, and I was having a little struggle getting excited about it, but for whatever reason, my, uh, God got a hold of my heart while I was reading uh, through that book, and I was considering what Ezekiel was going through in his ministry, and here we have in the book of Ezekiel a nation that had been uh, taken captive because of their sin, and so Ezekiel was preaching to a captive nation that was ravaged by sin, it was ravaged by bad decisions, it was ravaged by an enemy that was uh, indifferent uh, to their plight, Uh, it had been uh, 
uh, gone through uh, all kinds of problems and their enemy was indifferent to the pain that they were going through and they were captive because of their sin. And can I say uh, just uh, right now is that sin uh, brings captivity just about every time it's tried. Uh, we, we mess around and we think that we control our sin, but uh, if we're not careful and, and we let it go, then sin will begin to control and dominate and bring us into captivity. And that happens uh, now just like it happens then. And my sin, your sin, it makes no difference. It always leads to captivity and bondage. And so here is Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel, and he's called to a preach to a people that really don't want to hear what he had to say. They weren't really interested in hearing what he had to say. Uh, we knocked a door today and they just shouted through the door. I'm not interested. And I said, okay, we'll leave it on the door. Amen. Uh, and on we went. But uh, uh, there were people that did not want to hear preaching. And they didn't want to hear what he had to say. As a matter of fact, if you were to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 2, we see the call of God in Ezekiel's life. Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible says this in Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, And they, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there's been a prophet among them. And God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, I'm going to send you to preach to a people that's rebellious and they're stubborn and they're uh, thick-headed and they're thick-hearted and they've transgressed against me even unto this very day and even up to the moment, he said, uh, you know, the destruction of their cities was not enough. Uh, the destruction of their families were not enough. Being dragged captive to a foreign land was not enough. The depravity of being uh, abused by their captors was not enough. And even to this very day, they were still rebelling against God. None of it was enough to bring them back to obedience to God. And God said, I'm going to send you to these people. And whether they hear or whether they don't hear isn't the issue. When you go out and you hand somebody a track, whether they hear or whether they don't hear is not the issue. He said, I want you to give them the track. I want you to preach the gospel. Whether they hear, whether they don't want to hear, whether they're interested, they don't not interested, because I want them to know. I want them to know that I sent someone for them. I want them to know that I loved them enough to send somebody to rescue them. I wanted them to know there'd be a prophet. A preacher. Someone that loved them enough to come and have them a gospel track and tell them about the love of Christ. They have to know. He said, I want to send my preachers to them. So they can't say, nobody ever loved me. So they can't say, nobody ever told me. I want them to know about the love of God in Christ Jesus. Whether they listen or not. 
Furthermore, in Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says this. Ezekiel 3.10, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thy ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God. Again, here we go. Whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear. Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing, saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from His place. So again, God is giving Ezekiel this instruction. I want you to go, and I want you to preach, whether they listen or not. But then the next verse got my attention. Verse 14, so the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then came I to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Kibar, and I sat where they sat, and I remained there astonished among them seven days. So I want to preach on this subject How are we going to reach those that don't want to hear? How are we going to reach those that are rebellious and not interested and they don't want to hear? And how are we going to be God's hands and God's feet and God's heart and God's voice? And how are we going to do that? And I believe the answer is right here when he said, I sat where they sat. That's what I want to preach out tonight. And let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you would use this time. Lord, I pray that you would. Use this message to stir our hearts for people. Lord, please stir our hearts for people around the world. Stir our hearts for the people that we look at and are different and and perhaps don't want to hear what we have to say. Maybe they mock us. Maybe they mock Christ. But, Father, give us a heart to reach people that don't want to hear. Help us to sit where they sit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think the greatest thing that we can do to reach people is to sit where they sit. I think as Christians sometimes, and I know I'm uh, guilty of it for sure, we look at people and we don't really understand or have any kind of compassion about where they are in life. You know, as, as a church as a whole, I don't think we can really empathize with people that are going through the difficulties of life uh, and we don't emphasize very well and particularly when those difficulties are self-inflicted. You know, uh, uh, you might think this in your mind. I know I sure have in the past. Well, they made their bed. You're going to have to lie in it. Well, I warned them about that. I told them that was a bad idea. I knew that it wasn't going to end up very well. It's, It's their own fault. I don't feel bad for them. You know, I'm so glad that God doesn't look at me that way. Amen. I'm so glad God didn't look down at me and said, well, I warned him about that. I told him not to do that. I gave him my word and he didn't listen. I'm so glad that he sent Christ for me. I'm so glad that he reached down and reached down and picked me back up and dusted me off and picked me back up in life. I'm glad God doesn't look at us that way. And you know, that was Ezekiel's heart when he went. The Bible says he was in the bitterness of his heart. He was hot in his spirit. I've got to go to these people to preach. They're a stubborn people. They're a hard-hearted people. They, 
<laughs> they live right over by the university. They're all stubborn people, amen? <laughs> he didn't want to preach a message no one wanted to hear. Who wants to do that? He was bitter and he was hot about it. But something happened. Something happened that believed that I believe changed Ezekiel's heart and his spirit about what God wanted him to do. Verse 15 tells us, Then I came to the captivity at Tel Abib that dwelt by the river of Kibar, and I sat where they sat. I sat where they sat, and I was astonished. Seven days. He said I was astonished by it. I was overwhelmed by the plight of the people. I was overwhelmed by, by, the, by the, the sight of it. I was overwhelmed by the sight of those orphans growing up on the streets in the Ukraine. And I was overwhelmed at the sight of children living in the streets in Cambodia. Overwhelmed by it. And overwhelmed by the, the people around the world that were lost and dying and in darkness. He said it was overwhelming. I was astonished. And he sat where they sat and he began to have compassion and empathy and care and concern for the people. His heart changed because he had sat in the place where they sat and they began to understand and empathize with their people. You know, we can't reach people if we don't sit where they sit. We can't reach people if we're preaching down to them and looking down at them. We've got to get down just like Jesus came down and He got real low when He came down to me and He reached me and He pulled me out of a pit, a horrible pit, and He set me on a rock and He came way down. Ezekiel finally got it after he sat where they sat. After he was willing to humble himself and understand what they were going through. His spirit was changed when he sat where the sinner sat. His spirit was changed when he sat where the captive sat, where the troubled soul sat. Uh, many have asked me, why do I care about uh, prison ministry? Can I say this very honestly, very bluntly, uh, very trans, uh, uh, transparently? Before we went into the prison, I didn't care about prison ministry. I didn't really think about it. I didn't know anybody in prison. I'd never been to prison. I should have probably many times, but I'd never been to prison. I didn't know anyone behind bars. I'd never given it an honest uh, a second thought, probably. Uh, probably the truth is, if, if you'd asked me about people in prison, I'd say, well, you do the crime, you do the time. Well, you know, they shouldn't have probably done that. They were probably warned. Probably knew better. I'm just being honest, you know. I'd lived 38 years of my life without ever really thinking about it, to be honest. My heart wasn't stirred by it. Preacher was going in and he asked me if I'd come in, bring my, uh, bring my uh, uh, guitar and tag along and lead the music. I said, sure, why not? Seems like a good idea at the time. It was good, something to do on a Saturday night. But we got there. And we met the people. People that had life sentences walking into a service in a prison with the joy of the Lord on their face. 
just excited that somebody would come to preach the gospel and, and they could hear preaching and they could open their Bible and sing the hymns and songs and oh, they were excited about it and oh, we went in and we began to talk to them and, and, and meet with them and, and when we left, it was, we couldn't even stop talking about it. I got home and I was like, honey, you can't believe what happened. It was really wonderful and we met these people and it was so exciting. I can't believe it. And we're going to go back next week. So excited. So excited about it. Everything changed when we sat where they sat. Everything was different when we sat where they sat. You know, I had no idea what they were going through. We never considered the problems that prisons creates for people. We hadn't considered the difficulty of losing children to the system. We'd, we'd see uh, a woman come in and she'd just be ready to deliver that baby and, and she maybe had five, ten years of prison time and she would, uh, she would go to a, a ward uh, at the hospital where there would, she would be handcuffed to the bed and she would give birth to that baby and that she would spend 24 hours with that baby and if she didn't have a family member that was willing to take that child, they would suspend her parental rights, terminate them, and adopt that baby out. And that baby was gone. Never considered that. Never considered the fact that the women's prison is in Wilsonville, but the women come from all over the state. They maybe be seven, eight hours away from family. Nobody comes to visit them. Nobody comes to see them. No letters come in. Never considered... Uh, that a loved one, a, a parent would pass away and die and they would be sitting in the prison unable to attend a funeral service. Never considered people dying in prison until I sat in, a, uh, in the hospital wing at the prison as I looked at a lady who had been attending our service as she was breathing out her last breath alone in a cell, dying. Never appreciated my freedom the way that I appreciate it now. Never appreciated my family like I appreciate my family now. Never appreciated my church family the way I appreciate it now. Why? Because I sat where they sat. I sat where they sat. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says this, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus had sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And here's Jesus who's just called Matthew into the ministry and he's just called him. And this Matthew who was hated because he was a tax collector, he was hated because he represented Roman rule. He, uh, he was hated because he was seen as a collaborator or a traitor to his people. And nobody cared about him and nobody liked him. But here's Jesus and he sits where Matthew sits. He sits where Matthew sits. He wasn't ashamed of Matthew. He loved Matthew. And he was willing to sit where Matthew sat. He was willing to put himself in Matthew's place. But the religious crowd didn't really like it. They didn't want... What do we do? What's he doing here in church? Why is he with us? Why is he sitting here with these sinners and publicans? Because they'd never sat where Matthew sat. They'd never put themselves in his shoes. They thought they were better than Matthew. They were better than the publicans. 
they were better than sinners. They saw themselves as morally superior because of their religious background and their righteous living, but that's not how Jesus saw it. Verse 12, he said, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what this meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I'm not called come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus said, I'm not interested in your sacrifice. I'm interested in your heart of mercy. I'm interested in your heart of compassion. I'm interested in a heart that's willing to sit where people sit. How do we reach people that don't want to be reached? Uh, How do we reach people that don't want to hear? How do we reach them? How can we be his hands? How can we be his voice? How can we uh, uh, be his heart? How can we be his feet? We have to we have to sit where they sit. We have to have compassion on them. So how can we do that? Four ways very quickly tonight. Very quickly, we have compassion the same way Jesus had it. In Matthew 9, 36, the Bible says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. We can have compassion because they're shepherdless. They're shepherdless. They were weak and they were faint and they had no shepherd. You know, I can't imagine going through a death without Jesus Christ and having Christ with me. I can't imagine going through a terrible tragedy in the family uh, without knowing the Lord and knowing that that loved one was on their way to heaven. I just can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine uh, going that way without hope and going through that way without the good shepherd, the one that laid down his life for the sheep, the one that walks before us on the dark path and guides us along the way. I can't imagine having nowhere to turn that would offer any kind of help or comfort or advice or encouragement or hope or protection and guidance we have a good shepherd we have a good shepherd and he cares for us and he watches over us and he meets our needs and what a blessing it is to have that you know life is lonely business at times and it's good to have the lord to turn to as our shepherd isaiah forty eleven says he shall feed his flock like a shepherd he shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall Gently lead those that are with young. Oh, it's good that we have a shepherd that gently leads. A shepherd that's willing to gather us up in his arms and to take them and hold us close when those, when things are falling apart. Amen. And he holds us close and he gathers us in and he just gently leads us. What a blessing that is. We have a shepherd that gathers us together when we're falling apart. Ezekiel 34, 5. And they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Boy, we become easy prey when we have no shepherd. Easy prey. We fall for just about anything. We fall into all kinds of trouble. We're very vulnerable when we're scattered. Ezekiel 34, 12 says, As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Oh, what a good thing it is that we have a shepherd that seeks after us in the cloudy and dark days when we're scattered abroad. That's such a good thing. It's good to know that when we wander off, the shepherds come looking for us. Amen. Oh, what a good thing that is. And we can have compassion on those that don't want to hear because they have no shepherd. They have no shepherd. 
They have no one to seek after them but us. They have no one to gather them in their arms. They have no one that gently leads them. You know, the world doesn't lead gently. Sin doesn't lead gently. Addiction doesn't lead gently. It's a harsh master and it's a harsh taskmaster. Sin's a bad shepherd. And we can have compassion on those that don't want to hear us because they're shepherdless. Second, we can have compassion because they're sick. Matthew 14, 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and it was moved with compassion toward them, and He healed their sick. You know, there's a multitude of people that have a soul sickness. It's a sin sickness. It's a chronic condition. And it's a condition that plagues their entire life. It's a condition that haunts their every day. It's a condition that is ultimately fatal if it's not treated. And Jesus came for those that were sick. We read about that in Matthew a moment ago. He came for those that were sick, not those that were whole. It was a disease, a blood disease. And the only solution is a blood transfusion. And the only solution is to apply the blood of Christ to their lives. Exodus 12, 13 tells us, And the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Without this blood transfusion, they have no hope. Hebrews 9, 22 tells us, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is required to cleanse people from their sickness. And it's not just any old blood, amen? It's not the blood of bulls and goats. But Hebrews 9.12 tells us, neither by the blood of bulls, goats, and calves, but by His own blood, He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, amen? And thank God we've been healed from our sin sickness by the blood of Jesus Christ and his blood obtained eternal uh, redemption for us. And we have hope because of the blood of Christ that purchased our remedy. And he's purged us from dead works to serve a living God. Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We can have compassion on those that don't want to hear us because they're sick. Because they're shepherdless. Thirdly, we can have compassion because they're sightless. Matthew twenty thirty four. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Jesus had compassion on the blind because they could not see. They could not see that amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Jesus had compassion because they could not see. We have to understand that those are lost. Those that don't want to hear, they've been blinded to the good news. They've been blinded. The light of the gospel is hid to them. They're blind to the good news. They can't see their need for a Savior. They can't see that they're sinners. They can't see that they're without hope and without Christ. They can't see the need to be saved. And maybe they're religious. Maybe they attend church regularly. Maybe they even do spiritual things, but they don't see their need and they're blind to the glorious gospel. And we can have compassion on people that are groping in darkness and don't even know they're blind. We know the verse, Revelations 3.17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not 
Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And we can have compassion on them. Because they're sick and they're sightless and they're shepherdless. And finally, we can have compassion on them because they're separated. They're separated. In Luke 7.12, we have the story. The Bible says, Now when he came nigh to the gates of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. He had compassion because he knew that they had been separated by death. They'd been separated by death. Why should we have compassion on those that don't want to hear us when we preach? Because they face eternal separation from God. Eternal separation in a place called hell. Where the worm dieth not and the fire's not quenched. And we can have compassion on them because they will face uh, eternal separation from loved ones. In Isaiah 65, 17, the Bible says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. I'm so thankful for camp. I was saved at camp. I mentioned that. About two years ago, uh, my son was down in uh, California. They were at a camp down there. I got a phone call from him night before, uh, the night before last Last night, and I said, I, he said, hi, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. He said, Dad, uh, I went forward tonight. Got it settled. I need to be baptized. Of course, here's super spiritual dad thinking, wait a minute, I thought you got saved when you were four. What happened there? <laughs> I said, sure, son, of course. Get it settled. Nail it down. He came home. And uh, I asked him, I said, what? What was it, son? That, what was about the message? What was it about camp? What was it that, that got your heart? What got your attention? And he said, well, he said, the preacher was preaching on that passage there in Isaiah. For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things should not be remembered nor come into mind. He said, I, I, I don't ever remember getting saved, Dan. And I realized that if I wasn't saved, that you and mom and grandma and grandpa and all my friends, everybody that ever loved me, would be separate from me. Not only that, You wouldn't even remember that I existed. You wouldn't even remember me. I didn't want that. What a terrible fate to be not only separated from all eternity, but forgotten. What a terrible fate. He said, I didn't want that, so I went forward. And I said, Amen. Thank God for camp. Amen. It's an astonishing thought. Disturbing thought, the judgment that comes from people that don't want to hear, don't want to listen. They want to continue on to their own discretion, destruction. 
Will they all listen? No. They won't. It's not even the point. We know they all won't listen. But we also know that we won't be able to reach any of them until we're willing to sit where they sit. Until they're willing to have a heart of compassion. Until we're willing to consider that I can love that person because they don't have a shepherd. I can love that person because they're sick. and They don't even know it. I can love that person because they can't even see their need for a Savior. And I can love that person because ultimately they'll be separated for all eternity if we don't reach them. Whether they will hear, whether they will forbear. God said, I want them to know. I want them to know that there was a preacher amongst them who loved them. I want them to know that somebody wanted to reach them. I want them to know that there was somebody that was willing to sit where they sit. Let's be people that are willing to sit where they sit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for these wonderful people who have come out on a Tuesday night to hear about worldwide missions. And Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts. I pray that you would stir our hearts for this thing called reaching the lost. Father, I pray that you'd stir our hearts about this thing called loving people where they're at. And Father, let not be his hands, be his heart, be his voice. Not a slogan, Lord, but our life. Maybe you're here and you've said, Brother Stone, the Lord's dealing in my heart. And I believe God's calling me to something more. He's calling me out. He's stirring in my heart. Maybe he's working in your heart, a young person or even an older person, that God's calling you to do something. You say, Brother Sid, I believe the Lord's stirring in my heart to, to do more for missions, to do more for reaching the lost, to do more for reaching people with compassion. You say, that's me, Brother Sid. Uh, would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand? I see that hand. Is there others? I see those hands. Amen, amen, amen. Maybe you're here and you say, Brother Stone, I'm like your son. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today. Oh, I've been in church a long time. But I'm not sure I'm saved. I need to get that settled. Holy Spirit's working in my heart. Is there anyone like that? We'd be so remiss to walk away from this service and not ask you. Is there anyone like that? Father, I pray that you'd work in people's hearts in this thing called winning souls for Christ and this thing called loving people. And this thing called reaching the lost. Father, give us a burden and a desire and a burning heart to reach the lost at all costs, Father. And Father, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, preacher.
Thank you. 